This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. We have seen such a surge in the use of food delivery apps since the start of the pandemic, but are those apps profitable for all included in that process? The restaurants, the drivers, etc. It can depend it can vary depending on the app. The Washington Post recently conducted an experiment by ordering the exact same order on different apps to see where the money was actually going. And that transparency is another side to this story. Lindsay Cameron is an assistant professor of management at Wharton, and she joins us to discuss what the Post found out and give us uh, her thoughts on this. Lindsay, great to talk to you again. Yeah, it's great to be here. All right. Not a surprise, I guess, that we see the varying uh, costs and prices. And I guess who gets what the percentages on each of these different apps varying the way that they do. You're right. So this this work is, you know, there's a triangle. So you're having one amount of money for the, you know, the meal and the food delivery fee having to be split between three people, the worker, the the driver, the uh, and then the organ, the the company, you know, DoorDash. And so the question is, how do we have this one amount of money that's coming from the customer, you know, sort of be split out in a way so that everybody gets enough quote-unquote piece of the pie and what the post article really highlights is that you know everybody gets different slices different amounts of the piece of the pie do we should we think about who maybe deserves the most in that process whether it be you know the the uh, the app company itself uh the driver the restaurant etc who should get the most uh, the biggest piece of that pie Oh, that's that's a tricky question. You know, I feel like the question is maybe not the most, but who is earning enough for it to be a fair wage? I mean, on one hand, you can be a lot of these companies aren't profitable. I mean, the amount of their losses year upon year are declining, but they've got to earn enough to keep their service fees up. By far, the restaurants, you know, I feel like are really hurting. You know, sometimes they're not even making that much on each order. So they have to earn enough. And then you have the drivers needing to make a fair wage, at least the minimum wage. And, the, you know, the, the state where they did this experiment at in California does have a minimum wage guarantee for these on-demand workers. So, so to your question about who should get the most, I think it's more like who can get enough to cover their costs and then some. Because it seems like all, you know, the, the, each of the individuals that are sort of playing this in the app game are just not getting enough right, right now. Right. And, and when you look at each of the segments, uh, not necessarily the app itself, but the driver and the restaurant, there are things that can mitigate uh, the profitability of this process uh, for the restaurant. It's obviously the fact that food costs have soared uh, over the last couple of years for the driver. It's the fact that gasoline prices have gone up so much in the last couple of years, and that makes it even more challenging to be able to have these components in play. Exactly. And we talk also about the pain point for the restaurants is they're actually paying these companies as well, the DoorDashes and the Uber Eats, to get, you know, preferred um, advertising on their company. So if like if you're searching for the word sushi, their restaurant is going to be the one to pop up. So it's just not in, in a rela- it's not a relationship where um, the, the the orders are just flowing to the company and then they're able to sort of, well, this is business we wouldn't have got otherwise, we're able to take a smaller yeah. profit. Like, no, they too are paying, you know, the, the food delivery companies or the platforms to get money. So that's the, 
I'm just saying they're being squeezed on all sides as people are trying to figure out, given these services are so popular, how do you make them profitable? This is obviously a, a good story and a good report because, as we said, it, it provides some transparency as to who's getting paid what in the entire process. And we really don't have that a lot across the U.S. right now. San Francisco mandates uh, laying out the charges on the receipt. Uh, makes you wonder whether or not we will see more cities kind of go this route in the future. You know, I think that's a step in the right direction. But, you know, now we're seeing and a lot of these uh, on-demand or, or platform works. They're also having this service fee or service charge they're, they're putting on the, the bill. And you don't know what that is. You know, is that going to the driver? Is that going to the restaurant? Is it going to the company? And in the Post article, when they really queried about this, you know, the companies first said, well, these are for driver-related costs. You know, the Post goes back, what does that mean? Oh, actually, they're going to the platform company. And one thing that we're seeing about these, these use of these service fees is we're seeing the restaurant industry as a whole is actually adopting this. So Prop 82 just passed in Washington, D.C., that um, is going to sort of give a, it's going to increase the amount of uh, the minimum wage that tipped employees make. So it's no longer going to be uh, $2 or $5 an hour as their base wage. They're going to get, get something higher. And the way that uh, restaurants are trying to, to, to compensate for this or how they're going to pay for this extra cost is by adding the service fee to all of the bills. And so I think people are now getting to this, 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 you know, this new sort of murky ground is, well, if a customer sees there's a service fee on the bill, are they actually going to tip that 15 20% which workers depend on to make their living wage, or are they going to think it's already being covered by this service fee? It doesn't seem, though, that uh, like uh, the payouts – uh, that restaurants may get, and, they, and as you mentioned, they vary depending on the service. It doesn't seem like it it prevents them from choosing one app over another. It seems, you know, more likely that you're going to see restaurants using all of them and kind of dealing with the different levels of play a payout on their own end. So, I mean, this is actually an area I'm starting uh, to explore in my research, so I don't have a clear answer of what I'm seeing for companies across the board. So, some platform companies do want to lock in a restaurant. So, they have exclusivity on, um, I don't know, so say there's a Tom's and Claire Steakhouse, and they're only going to show right. an Uber Eats. Well, then that, the platform company might like that, because that means anytime you want to eat at Tom's and Claire's, you've got to go to Uber Eats, which drives all the, the business to that platform. But in some many cases, we're more seeing restaurants using multiple platforms at once to sort of get their delivery orders out. But now they're having to order this extra software from um, Toast and Chow Now or some of these big companies to help them manage that because they've got to put a lot more staff in the back of the house to be able to manage all these incoming orders and prep the meals and have them ready and keep it straight for the drivers. So... That's all to say that there are, are new players that are coming in to help restaurants manage this. And that is, you know, it's another layer of technology. It's another line of cost. So there's a lot of things that are happening in the back end, even when we order, you know, our next meal through one of these apps. What do you think this means then, uh, this report and th this information means for these apps themselves, the DoorDashes, the Grubhubs, the Uber Eats, in terms of, you know, the consumer having a better understanding of what's actually going on in this process. I think a lot of the times consumers are not so much thinking about what's going on in their process. They just 
want their food. Um, you know, sometimes they just might know the category. Sometimes they might have specific restaurants. They're using the app to figure that out and, and seeing the service is more of a commodity. You know, I, I would imagine if you were a consumer reading this, you might think of, well, oh, I should just order from DoorDash because DoorDash is the cheapest. Because the idea of doing restaurant pickup sort of like, you know, flies out of most people's minds now that they have the ease of the convenience. But I would say, honestly, I don't see much, most consumers really thinking about the breakdown of the fares, the money, and who's getting what point. They're just looking at how they can get sort of the cheapest option for the food delivery. Maybe even more so, it's just as important for the drivers themselves to see the different levels of payout on each of these different platforms and, and who they want to drive for and whether or not they want to drive for multiple platforms. You're right. I think that's one of the gems of the article for, for drivers to see, okay, well, DoorDash is the cheapest. And DoorDash does have a lot of the bigger – the market share and it depends on city by city of which one is the biggest. But, you know, they, I think this is an example. We actually see Uber, Uber Eats paying their drivers more. And so that might give them some, some pause in thinking about which uh, platform to, to work for. But um, it's still – I mean, it's still tricky because if there's more demand on one platform and depending on whether or not the, the app batches orders, that can also make it so drivers can earn uh, more money. So all of this, I think, just points to the opacity that we see in this type of, of algorithmically managed work. If you don't know how the algorithm is making decisions, how it's batching orders, are you getting a fair wage, are you going to be above or below whatever it is, if there's a state or citywide a minimum that you have to, to earn, all of these things sort of keep power in the hands of the, the platform companies and less for the consumers or the drivers to make informed decisions. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, I feel like it's sort of breaking down and sort of what amount of money is going to which person sort of gives more insight into what is actually happening here. Lindsay, great to have you with us. Thanks very much. You too. Have a good day. You too. Lindsay Cameron, uh, who is Assistant Professor of Management here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.